Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Chris. And I'm Ray. And it's a, is it, no, it's a Friday. I almost said it's Thursday. Yeah. yeah it, is, it is Friday. It, it is Friday. Yeah, it's been a long week. Um, so, guys, how are you? How's the, how's the holiday season treating you? Still alive so far. <laughs> yep, pretty much. The best we can ask for, 2020 Christmas. Please yep. <laughs> please stay alive. Right. Mm. So what it's been, I know you guys have had rough work schedules, so it's been a while, so fucking feel it. Chris, what, so I specifically, originally I saw this as an opportunity for Chris and I to talk about um, some podcasts and stuff. Cause, so Chris, you recommended the black tapes to me recently, and John Bickness is probably listening to this going, fucking Baker, I recommended it to you like a year ago at least. And he's right, he did. And I listened to one episode because when I re-listened to the first episode after you just recommended it to me last week, I remembered it. I don't know yeah, why I didn't continue really with it. really familiar to you, sure. Yeah, totally. I have no idea why I didn't continue with it. But before we get into talking about the black tapes, I just want to say like – I definitely want you to recommend more stuff to me um, because that was quite an experience. Definitely. Uh, And I know you're also doing a bunch of audio books too. So actually, how about this? What's Chris, give me the best audio book and the best podcast that you've listened to in the last, you know, three months or whatever. In the last three months, okay, one of the best audiobooks that I've listened to was um, uh, Devolution by Max Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Bigfoot. Yeah, it's uh, essentially, it's like a found footage type thing, which is kind of interesting in, in book form. Um, but yeah, basically, it's all kind of from from journals and things like that that have been found. A really, really great premise. The audiobook is fantastic. It's um, it's read by um, full cast, um, including um, the 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 main the main gal is Judy Greer. Oh, really? Uh, it's also read by Stephen Weber. Um, is in there too? I believe it's Stephen Weber. I mean, this is, you say, you say go back about three months. That, that was about three months ago. Oh yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you um, can go back further. That was just a, you know, a, a off the top of the head. But that, that was a great, great book. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'll do a quick little rundown about, you know, just a kind of rough, rough plot. Um, so it's about this couple, um, this gal and this guy, who move into this new um, futuristic kind of template um, community mm-hmm. uh, up in, uh, I want to say it's Washington, um, where it's basically like this little kind of cul-de-sac loop kind of thing, but it's entirely like self-sufficient. Um, a lot of things are automated, yada, yada. Um, but then all of a sudden, uh, one of Washington's volcanoes, uh, erupts. Oh, and because of this, um, there's, you know, fires everywhere. Um, there is, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what the name of the, uh, the kind of 
thing was. But basically, they, they, they become isolated. They become stuck out there. Um, there's no way for them to get back to the main road at all. Uh, there's basically all these kind of um, like like per, almost permanent kind of like landslides that are happening around them. So they just figure, okay, well, we'll hunker down. You know, we're, we got enough supplies. You know, water can be recycled. Yeah, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then they kind of start hearing noises in the uh, in the middle of the night. And it, it basically turns out that lo and behold, there is this tribe of Bigfoot, Big Feet. I don't know what you would say. Um, who, because of this eruption, has been pushed out of their natural like territory where they where they stay, and it basically they start kind of picking them off one by one, um, you know, dragging them away to presumably eat them. And it is it's just really this this really cool, interesting um, take on a, on a survival kind kind of vibe. Sounds fucking great, man. So, okay, so it's not just a couple that's trapped. It's everybody in the community. and It's everybody in the community, okay. and I want to say the community is about maybe 10, 12 people. Okay. So it's not a very large community, but there are about maybe five or six houses. Um, I, 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 so I listened to the audiobook. I have the novel itself. Inside the novel itself, it does. It has like a sketch drawing. Of the what the area looks like, just to kind of give the reader, um, you know, some frame of mind. Um, so and now Max, Max Brooks, he's he's one of my favorites. Well, I know, and people. and so if for those of you out there that don't know, or you might be like, wait, I know that name. It's it's obviously, um, uh, oh goddamn, um, uh, the author of the World War Z, you know. Yes, so but his his father is um. Oh, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it wasn't Max, but I'm like, starts with an M, three letters. Hello. Yeah, his his father is Mel Brooks. Um, But what's really interesting with his his writing uh, is that it's it's really not, they're they're not comedy. Yeah, he did World War Z. He did um, this new, his newest one, Devolution. Um, He, he, originally wrote the um the zombie um uh, survival, survival guide. guide that was his first kind of for, foray into the um uh, just into writing um but yeah it, it's he does you know mel brooks being his father definitely did help out in a lot of ways uh, the biggest being you know my favorite all-time you know horror related audiobook is world war z mm-hmm. Um, which, if you've seen the the Brad Pitt film, oh. I am very sorry. Yeah, don't don't judge <laughs> has, the, book, the film. It has awful. literally. I mean, it's it's as far away from the book as you can possibly it, it re- get. The movie's just awful. Even if you liked the movie, because I know there are people out there that do, and I don't want to step on their toes. I did not like it. I don't. I do. I'll step on those toes. I was dragged to see the movie, and I really did not like it. But I will say the one thing that about it that I walked out, I was like, okay, at least this. So it, you know, famously had this insane ending that then they brought in Damon Lindelof, which is always kind of a mixed bag, and he rewrote it. 
And they went from, it was some huge special effects laden, you know, multi-million dollar fight scene, battle, whatever. And it, they went in a different direction with the rewrite. And it ends very, very quietly. And I, I was impressed with the fact that the people that made that movie, and as much as I disliked it, had the presence of mind to go in that direction. Because I would have thought it would have just been like, they would have looked at that rewrite and been like, no way, bro, it's got to be all like fucking torpedoes and zombie, you know. And it wasn't. So I still hated it. But, you know, when, when you're trapped in a boat and you have to eat rat turds, you pretend the rat turds are cheese, Cheez-Its, I guess. So that's me. You know, that was the Cheez-It. I was like, okay, you well. Pretend, hey, you can pretend all you want to, but those Cheez-Its are still going to be rat turds. <laughs> True. True. But, you know, yeah, I, mean, I mean, everybody, different strokes for different folks. So people are so, like, fine. But the book is so much, it's so not the, that movie. The book is utterly fantastic. It is one of my favorite novels. Um, I think I have, I've read it at least three times. I know that over the years, cause I think it came out in 2005. I think I, I think I've actually gifted that book to at least five or six people. You gave it to me. That, yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah. Anytime I see it at a, at a thrift store or anything like that, you know, I'll, just instinctively buy one just to have on hand to give to somebody because it's that good. Um, it's one of the things I love about you is you spread literature. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I love that, man. I love that. But so World War Z, the audiobook is also that 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 is my favorite all time audiobook. That's one. I mean, I've listened to at least ten times in the past fifteen years since mm -hmm. since it's originally come out. Um. Again, the movie and the book, they have two similarities. One being that the narrator of the book, as well as Brad Pitt's character in the movie, works for the CDC. Mm -hmm. um, and then the only other thing that they have in common is that it involves zombies. That's it. Right. Well, Those are, that, that's the only similarities the book you is know, like the, epistolary so i don't know if it counts as epistolary style i think it would or is epistolary simply letters because it's not letters but it's it's an oral history right so it's like people it being interviewed about what happened that is that is the the subtitle of the book it is um world war z uh, an oral history of the zombie wars whereas like the film brad pitt he's you know, working for the CDC, he's jet setting around all the different it's countries so trying to find a cure for whatever it is. It's so lame. You know, the book, it is 12 years after the yeah. zombie wars has ended. And now he, he's going around interviewing people to get their stories. And the way that it's structured is he interviews somebody, you know, about the onset of the, of the, the zombie plague. And it just kind of snowballs from there all the way up until, you know, the end of, you know, when mankind basically came back from the brink. Yeah. And it's utterly fantastic. They talked to a variety of people from a, from a doctor in China to a uh, hired bodyguard yeah. in, uh, in Florida or something or other. Um, but getting back to what I was saying about him being Mel Brooks's son... I think one of the biggest things is that when it was time to do the audiobook, they pulled some strings, pulled some connections because the cast of the audiobook is fantastic. You know, every chapter of the book 
is the interviewer um, who's narrated actually by Max Brooks, mm-hmm. and he's interviewing a different subject. So each chapter has a different uh, actor doing the you know doing the voice, but it has everybody in it from Henry Rollins to Mark Hamill, Nathan Fillion, Carl Reiner, Rob Reiner. Um, there's so many. People, I know. I mean, John Turturro's in there. They even got Martin Scorsese. Wow, is is reading one of the. uh, I mean, it's you know, I mean, you can sit there and just spend all day listening to this, and it just paints such a picture, and it's so true to how things would, you know, possibly go down. Right. That the CDC itself, our uh, the actual CDC, not the one in the book. They've actually acknowledged the book and they have said that, you know, yes, things probably would happen like this. It's wow. about as accurate as you could get. And it has since spawned a series of, you know, imitator. Yeah, definitely. Books and things like that. I, I will say they are like, I've never been, I've always been wary of audiobooks. I don't even know why, but, um, you know, you clued me in on the Sandman one and I still, believe it or not, I haven't finished it. Um, I'm, I'm almost done. I save them. So I listen to like one every like two weeks or so. And I'm, and I, but I've also in the meantime started to listen to other stuff. So I started that alien three script, which is better than the dark horse adaptation of the comic by William Gibson. Um, I'm sorry. Adaptation. The Dark Horse comic that is an adaptation of the original Alien 3 screenplay by William Gibson, which was never yes. made. And the audiobook is better, but I'm like maybe almost halfway through and I'm still not loving it. And I don't like the other Alien 3 either. So I think it's. Yeah, just- I'm not. I'm not. You know, I, I didn't really care for um, for the story. Um, the audio book. The presentation of it is fantastic. It is. It really is. It sounds like I'm listening to a movie with the picture off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Sandman one especially is cool if you know Sandman because it's like there's very minor differences. But I'm like, Jesus, this is the fucking comic. Like if they ever make a movie of it, no matter how good it's going to be, it's not going to be an exact adaptation of the comic. This is. Well, well, they are making a television series. Yeah. Well, I mean – I'll believe it when I see it. I know that it's in pre-production or whatever. Neil's very heavily involved with it. He's yeah. been given a lot of um, updates, you know, as it goes. It's it's really it still will be limited by the visual spectrum, and this is not. So it and dude, the score, everything. It's like listening to a, like a huge Hollywood movie without picture. I was so impressed with the presentation. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and when it comes to the audio books, a lot of it, you know, obviously is going to be in the production. Um, I, I've listened to a lot of audio books. I've listened to some really shitty audio books where if I would have read the book, I would have been really bummed out that I wasted the time on it. But because of the performance and yeah. the foley and just all the, the, the ambiance music and things like that, it, it helps to elevate really bad books as well yeah i could see that um but yeah one key key thing i've noticed is if you ever see um an audio book and it's produced by uh dirk i want to say dirk dirk meigs dirk mags or is it mags i think it's mags yeah yeah he he he's the one who he did um 
he did Sandman. And he did Alien he did, 3. Uh, he did a bunch of these Alien ones as well, too. Uh, I think he does a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Um, I think you're right. Even. So, you know, with those, he tends to get full cast readings. Um, yeah, lots of that Foley sound effects. You know, lots of kind of music and just just things to really help just make to elevate it from just an audio book to and just an audio experience. Yeah, so, right, right, right. What were you gonna so say? I used to. Um, I forget the name of the um, service, but Audible. I used to have the Audible that, and I'll have to restart that. Um, but just to add that there was because um, I I, rem- I remember thinking I needed to listen to that, and I just never got a chance to when I had the audible um subscription i need to restart it now that i've especially got this new job where i have to drive around a lot um with that max brooks that he did an interview with nerdist i think and and now it's called uh because i remember him like there was an uh, interview on podcasts a nerdist podcast on like 824 i think it's i looked it up august 30th 2016 Mm -hmm. where he talked about the book and about writing it and about the audiobook and um, it's a really interesting interview. And like a lot of, uh, apparently it was really important to him to do an audio book. Like there had been an audio book that had been put out by the publisher and he wasn't happy with it. Oh. Um, because it, first they put out an abridged version, then they put out an unabridged version, but he felt like it could be more. And apparently one of the big things for him was that growing up he has dyslexia. And he had so much difficulty reading that his mother introduced him to uh, audiobooks, and it was his way of experiencing reading and 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 getting into reading and writing. And um, it was so important to him that he was like, "I'm gonna, I want to push." Like once it once it got really popular and it started to really become a bestseller, he went back to the publisher and said, "I want to redo the audiobook, and I can get more. I can get a big. I can get a cast to do this." And I went, okay, well, yeah, if you want to do that, and uh, we'll give you the money, and you, you get the people, we'll do it. And, yeah, he did He did basically call in favors from, like, famous friends, like, having, you know, had his father be his father his whole life. He, he knew people in the industry, and he basically mm-hmm. went up to them and said, um, will you be in my audiobook? I have this book I wrote, and it's really good, and I think you'd be fantastic. And they were like, yeah, sure. And, like, it's crazy the people that he got – to agree to come on but yeah it's a it's an interesting interview but like it's a good i mean i rem, i i really like the book it was one of my favorite books uh when i read it and the movie i never watched i, I only have seen parts and bits no, and pieces of it because i was i love the book so much and how much of what it was that i just couldn't sit myself down to watch it and the little bit that i did see you know, again, I don't like to necessarily slam what someone likes. It feels like intro, big budget intro horror to me. But like, it feels like that Brad Pitt's production company was like, you know, nobody's done a huge mega blockbuster with zombies yet. Let's be the ones to do it. And you know and they, what? And it's and it's and they made a PG thirteen. Yeah, on, yeah, on top of it. Well, because of course, if you if you're gonna make a mega blockbuster, then okay, somebody's gonna be like, calm down now. It's gotta be PG thirteen. I don't know. You know, I feel the same way about that movie that kind of the way I felt after I saw Train to Bouchon. Because yeah. there's no, like, you don't actually see people getting bit. And there's not, like, they're not, like, consuming people or anything. It's just them 
angry and attacking people. Like, there's honestly more violence in the uh, in 28 Days Later. Well, 28 Days Later, I without even having seen either of them, I know it's a better movie. I mean, I know it's yeah. a pretty ignorant statement, but no, somebody at work recently watched Train to Busan, and I have been adamant I'm not interested. And they basically, this friend of mine at work, he comes up, he's like, dude... Made. you've made the right choice. Stick with 28 yeah. days later. It's a better movie. And he said the same thing. He's like, they don't actually eat it. He's like, you don't see anything. Which, I don't know, whatever. I mean, if somebody did a PG-13 zombie movie right, it would be one thing. But I just feel like it's both are probably, well, I don't, World War Z is definitely too many cooks ruining the, you know, whatever that fucking saying is. Anyway. The thing that irritates me about that is that you know, when I first heard that they were going to be um, making a film, you know, obviously I had my 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 hesitation about it. Um, then I heard that, oh, Brad Pitt's, his company won a bidding war uh, for it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, there might be something good here. Obviously, we did not get something good. No. But what really frustrated me was finding out who he was in the bidding war with. Who? Leo DiCaprio, his production company, wanted to uh, adapt it. I mean, I don't know that there's any guarantee that that would... Like, I like both, although I haven't... Oh, no, I, haven't, I, like, I, haven't, Brad, I like Brad Pitt. I haven't liked a lot of what he's done in the last, like, so many years, but I really like him, and I think that... I used to think, like, back in the day, I'm like, man, he chooses his roles. He's smart. He, he knows what good is. And mm -hmm. I feel that way about Leo too. And look what happened with Brad, you know, with Brad Pitt. So it could have happened with Leo's too. So I don't that know. Is, I mean, that is true. We got what we got. Maybe in five years we'll get a TV series, you know, a, a, like a good TV series that adapts it in the right way. Because it could be done. That's, could, what it has, that's, that's exactly what it has to be. It has to be an episodic anthology, yeah. you know, based series, you know, where, you know, you have your one, your one grounded character, you know, of the, the narrator slash CDC interviewer who spans every episode and then, you know, sit down in whatever setting with whoever the, the star of the episode is. Yeah. And um, then they tell you their story and then just fade or, you know, fade out from that into their story. And um, there's your, there's your episode. Yeah. They're yeah. all fairly short stories. They can all fit into, um, into a into uh, an episode, an episode. yeah, right. Episode, and there's enough chapters. You have you know three, four seasons of you know ten episode seasons. Definitely. So if you're, so if you're listening, Shutter. Get yeah, on. Like, how about it? How about it? <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't mind Shutter, but I I wouldn't care if it was Netflix or Amazon. Like, they I feel like it would be Prime. Who would do it? Yeah, but they all, also, have the, they all have the ability to do it. And they well, and it Prime owns Audible, right? So, I mean, yes, that is that is correct. And see, then if they were if they were smart, they would just cast the same people, who right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, okay, so, yeah. So here you go. So I pulled up a a list of of the cast. I'm just going to ramble off some of the bigger names on here. Um, so yes, yeah, so you got Nathan Fillion, uh, Paul Sorvino. Carl Reiner, uh, Martin Scorsese, Simon Pegg, Denise Crosby, uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Boxletner, Jerry Ryan, Henry Rollins, Mark Hamill, um, Cal Penn, Rob Reiner, Frank Darabont, 
Wow. Masioka, John Turturro, Alfred Molina, Common, F. Murray Abraham. Oh, wow. And, and there's a lot more uh, people, too. I'm just not recognizing the names off the, you know, off the top of my head. But I'm sure if I see some faces, I'd be like, oh, shit, that guy. Wow. Dude, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. If, if there is anybody out there who has been hesitant about checking out audiobooks, well, it's a mixed bag. I would say this will definitely turn you on to them. And then go to Sandman. But it's such a good audiobook that you will hold any other audiobook you hear to the standard. I could, <laughs> I could see that. I mean, but, you know, there, I think there's, this is a burgeoning thing. So there's more, you know, there's more, more of these. So we, we've just named about four of them, right? So there's this, there's Devolution, there's Sandman, and there's Alien 3, which, you know, whether or not you, you take to the story, which, you know, I'm only halfway through. So maybe the, the, the second half will kick in. But um, that's four. Like, that's a good chunk. And then with some of the other stuff out there available, which we'll touch on in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot of audio experience. But, you know, plus also, like, I listen to music mostly. So that's the reason why I'm always behind on podcasts and audiobooks is because I listen to music all day, almost every day. And, like, when I just what I just listened to, the black tapes, we'll get into in a little bit. But I mean, that consumed me for several days straight. And it actually was a really weird effect psychologically and emotionally. It was strange. So, um, but at any rate, so it, it, it's also good to break it up. I feel like a little bit, I don't know that I could have went right from one to another the next day. It probably would have been too, like I need, I get so immersed with these, especially these full production. I need to come out of it a little bit. It's a little bit more than a movie because a movie, you sit down and you watch it in your living room or wherever, and it's your attention for two hours or three hours. But with this stuff, if you're listening like I am, like you guys would be at work, it's with you while you're doing your daily stuff. So it's, it seeps in a little bit deeper. It's really weird. Um, and it, like Baraska was like that, but it was shorter. But that's why that last episode of Baraska like fucked me up because I'm like doing my everyday shit at work and like listening to this. I was like, Jesus. It's like reality, yeah. kind of, like this other reality kind of bumping like pushing my reality out of the way a little bit. It was really weird experience. Cool. But you know, like I said, immersive enough where I need, okay, now let me, you know, let me listen to some fucking Slayer or something like get a tempo back. So, um, Ray, I want to go something from you before, before you do though, because I, this is really my, my only thing other than interacting with you two. I just want to kick this out because I just literally just watched this right before we, we came on. I knew we were doing this today. I saw yesterday, too late to watch it last night, that the Castle Freak remake dropped on Shudder yesterday. Uh, Barbara Crampton produced. I, I want to watch that. You say again? I want to watch that. Dude. So I watched the trailer for it. Let me, let me just say that... Um, and that's not the picture you sent us, is it? It is the picture. Oh, that's kind yes. of a spoiler, you bastard. Dude. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Directed by Tate Steinsick. Written by Kathy Charles, based on obviously Stuart Gordon, Charles Band. Um famously the way the original one got made was Stuart Gordon walked into Charles Band's office and saw a poster for something called Castle Freak. And he's like, Is that something you're making? He's like, Why haven't yet? And he's like, Can I make it? And he's like, Well, as long as there's a castle and a freak, yeah. And so <laughs> he made it. 
and he got to, he got final cut. He got to cast who he wanted, so he used Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton because he had you know just worked with them in Reanimator, or or you know not just, but a few years before. And uh, so now Barbara Crampton's producing this, and I didn't know what to expect. The way I found out it dropped, I saw in an, in another you know we have our um, the Horror Vision Horror Podcast discussion group on Facebook. Uh, please come and find us. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in there. But um, another one of the other groups that I was in previously uh, still, you know, interact. And I saw somebody post like, oh, it's fucking awful. And I was like, oh, really? Like weird. And then but then I saw, but, you know, yeah, but admittedly, the fucking original was, too. And I'm like, OK, well, I oh. my interests don't align with yours. Cool. So let's just, you know, go our separate ways. And um, man, I didn't know what to expect. And I will say there there's some bumpy acting for sure nothing terrible but there's a few things there was one character in particular i really liked the casting and i liked him but he would deliver lines sometimes where i was like eh. overall fucking great practical effects great setup really like true to the story where you know in the original combs is this recovering alcoholic who cost his family the sight of one of his daughters blinded her in a car accident and the other one died so it's this estranged family and they inherit this castle so they go and you know oh there's a freak and all this fucking weird shit uh somewhat based on lovecraft's uh, the outsider which has always been one of my favorite lovecraft story um but this takes it it's different and i could tell right away like the way it starts there's this like party and i wasn't sure if it was in europe or the states or whatever and it just had this really reminded me of demons and just the look of it. And so I'm like, oh, wow, I think I'm going to like this. And then it's, it's not a family. It's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, car accident, his fault. She gets blinded. However long later, they've readjusted. And she inherits this fucking castle from a mother she didn't know she had because she was adopted. So they go over there. And then they're just, the plan is to just sell it. And then their friends are going to come over and help them, like, you know, with all of the, like, selling things and what whatever and i really liked it like so the third the, the third act i loved I, I liked the whole movie the third act i fucking loved and where they go with it because dude they go full on lovecraft this like goes into the old ones and the, the necronomicon and all that fucking it's very very cool again great set design great um practical effects the necronomicon is fucking awesome looking i mean i wouldn't put it up against Raimi's necessarily but it's still really fucking awesome and then this third act happens and i was like holy fuck i can't believe this and then there was even a post credits thing that i was like oh so nice like so definitely when you watch it wait for the post credits thing i don't know if it means there's they have plans for something else or I, I don't know, but it was so fucking cool. A nod to another movie a character. Oh, I just, I really, really liked it. I, I recommend it, man. And I don't know. I think even if you didn't like um, the original, I think you could like this. And I think if, if you liked color out of space, I think there's something here for you. That's all I'm going to say there. There's some parallels later on in the movie. Um, I, I I love I love that there's this kind of Lovecraft like we're at we're at the point now and it's kind of like this with King too where like people are able to do like a better job with it so we're getting kind of a rash of stuff that's like 
this is better than, you know, and, and definitely Stuart Gordon's was more his movie than it was a Lovecraft adaptation. So I'm not saying it's better than that, but you know, he kind of did his own thing with it. So at any rate, but I really like this. So kudos to everybody involved, Fangoria and Shudder and RLJ E and Tate Steinsick and Barbara Crampton, everybody else. Just kudos. I fucking really, really liked it. So, okay. Ray hit me. Uh, uh, sorry, you kind of threw me off. I'm sorry. I, I, I drank like a pot of coffee right before we started, so I'm jacked. So just throwing that out there. So, okay, hit me. I don't know. Let me look at my list here. I do want to talk about at some point the movie that you mentioned in a text to me this morning that you weren't going to talk about because you didn't like. I would like to touch briefly on that at some point. You don't have to lead with it. Okay, okay. Oh, you know what is one thing? Okay, I'll come back to something I watched. Um... And I wanted to touch on, because I, I did listen to the podcast you put out last week. I wasn't able to, um, unfortunately, attend. But you said you um, you gave a movie a review that I was really surprised by, and that was Porno. Um, I was surprised you liked it. Because I liked it. I, I, I know, I, I heard. And um, I think I didn't mention it because I saw it like about maybe a couple months ago. I think on Janopy. I saw it on yeah and um I didn't and the thing was I mean it's fine I you know people can like what they like I certainly certainly like things that people don't like no man duel at 40 paces (laughs) what surprised me (laughs) was that um and I think it was the reason I didn't like it was it felt to me like oh how should I put this it felt to me like the, the Kevin Smith horror movie he would have made if he had made one back when he was doing like mall rats and shit like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it has a lot of like comedy and like the comedy like is set, is so centered in a certain way. And like the thing that you mentioned, the injury that the one character goes oh, through just felt so much to me like a Kevin Smith kind of joke that I was like, ah, Man, like that, there was no joke about that. That was fucking rough, dude. That was, it was rough, but I mean, it just, I don't know. It didn't hit me right. I guess no, I, mean, I could see that. Much. I was just I just surprised that you liked it. I was like, wow, that's shocking. I would have I would have not put money on that. But that's cool. Um let me see, what did I see? Uh you know what? I'm gonna talk about that. I saw it because it just did shutter. I think it's worth checking out. I watched the New York Ripper. Oh, is it on Shutter now? Yeah, it's a full it's a full cheap movie. Yeah. I, Liked it. Um, I tend. I found that I tend to like the weird giallos, um, because there was a couple months. There was like a maybe like I think it was. I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but during October, I watched Blood and Black Lace. Great on, movie. Uh, of all things, on on Turner Classic Movies app. Great movie. Um, which is good, but I I, it's good, but for some reason, I tend to like the really odd ones. Like I like Stage Fright. I think it's really bizarre with the guy with the, you know, the owl yeah. on the entire time. And New York Ripper is just so crazy because you have that killer who's calling the cop and talking, you know, Donald Duck voice. Yeah, because he wears a duck mask, right? No, he doesn't wear a duck mask. He just talks in the duck voice. And he does it, too, when he's slashing at women. It's hilarious. Like, he's like, <laughs> think you're going somewhere? I'm going to stab you. <laughs> And then he calls the cop and he's like, you're so stupid. You're not going to catch me. <laughs> and it's hilarious. 
the first time I heard it happen on the movie, I didn't know what to expect, and I just started laughing. And then it like I forgot to laugh later on, but it's so crazy, and it's just like it's just one of those perfect giallos where like. Honestly, the identity of the killer comes out of nowhere, like it's very typical of those movies. Yeah, definitely. And you're just like, because I remember like they introduced characters towards the middle and I was like, wait, okay, so he's been important from the beginning? Because I thought it was just about the cop. The cop's been the one that's been here consistently. But I don't know. It's very odd and it's very gritty. It feels like it's obviously New York in the in the eighties, and I think that maybe they just did the, did the outdoor shots. You know, with those giallos, sometimes it's hard to tell because sometimes yeah. it's indoor shots somewhere else. And it's, but yeah, it's it's a little it's weird enough to really enjoy. And since it's just a shutter, I'd say check it out. It's a lot of fun. That, that's funny because so you know on the last episode I reviewed the um, Ivan Press. Uh, uh, the Beyond, the comic, right? Which, so now, I mean, it's just, it's, it's marvelous. And um, I struck up, so the, Sean Lewis, the head of that company, hit us up on, on uh, through email after we heard the episode. And I had ordered, as soon as I finished, I ordered the Gates of Hell trade, like immediately. Mm-hmm. And I had been wanting to read it anyway. And, you know, like I talked about last time, like it, I was, you know, the way that I got into their stuff, it looked great. And then, but it, it's kind of expensive, but it's because it's so independently done and it's very much worth the money. It's very lavish. But um, I ordered the first issue of the Beyond. I loved it. So then I ordered two, three, and four when they had the pre order for four. So I just got them, read them. So then I immediately turned around and bought the Gates of Hell trade. Absolutely worth the money. And um, I mean, I haven't read it yet, but I just got it. But he sent us some other stuff, like, you know, for review purposes. Um, and one of the things he sent us is the Maniac collection they did. And I haven't, again, I just got it today, so I haven't read it yet. But there is an issue in that where it's New York Ripper versus Maniac. Ooh. And there, I just flipped through it like about an hour before we started, or a couple hours before we did this, uh, started this podcast. And there was an image of somebody in a duck mask. And I, it called to mind the oh, fact that the, is- the killer speaks like Donald Duck. So I'm like, oh, and having never seen New York Ripper, I had just assumed, knowing that he spoke in that voice in the movie and seeing the mask, that the mask was in the movie. So I'm definitely going to watch New York Ripper now that it's on Shutter, and I'll rewatch Maniac and then read that stuff. And then I'll pass this stuff along to you guys as well so you can read it. Um, that sounds cool. I, I want to check that out because, I mean, I've watched Maniac. I feel like I need to do a rewatch of Beyond before I read any comics. It's been a while since I've seen that. I think Maniac will be easier to, you know, the. The Beyond, and I, I'm going to assume like House by the Cemetery and and um, and the Gates of Hell stuff is it's all part of this where they're kind of doing that. I was talking last time about they're kind of unearthing the story that's between the lines, and now it's going to bleed into this thing next year, which I'm super excited for the um, Escape from Beyond. But yeah, I mean they're just flushing out and expanding on his mythology the way people do to Lovecraft now, and I think it's super cool because the Fulci stuff it's like all about what's between the lines, like it is with Lovecraft. So it's cool to see it, you know, getting other iterations and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, but the Maniac stuff is a little bit more, you know, it's not as deep. It's wacko. Go. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, Chris, what else? Um, let's see. All right, last night I actually just got around to watching uh, Freaky. Mm. Oh, the, the um, oh. 
Vince Vaughn and I forget the actress's name, right? Yeah, uh, basically, yeah, Freaky Friday, but one of them is a serial killer. Uh, directed by it's is directed by Christopher Landon, who also did um, Happy Death Day, right? Or at least directed Happy. No, yeah. he didn't. No, no, yeah, he he wrote and directed Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, and the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Okay. I loved Happy Death Day. I did not like the sequel at all. I'm not holding it against him. Just, you know, whatever. But uh, so how was Freaky? Freaky, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, it, it, it accomplished what it set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very uh, trope heavy uh, in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, just looking at the poster, watching the the minute and a half long trailer, you know exactly what it is when you're going into it. Yes. So if you don't take it too seriously, you'll you'll ha- you'll have a ball. Um, how is um? So is is it? Well, so how was Vince Vaughn, how was Vince Vaughn uh, play, uh, playing a sixteen year old little girl? Great. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I was going to say two part question because I like Vince Vaughn a lot. And I think he has like, obviously he can do comedy. Um, he can do dramatic as well, but he, there have been, you know, I'm thinking of the second season of true detective where I don't really even think it's his fault, but you can see him swinging for the fences and missing so much. And again, it's, I don't know that I think it's his fault, but it was rough to watch, uh, and it put me off for a little bit for, like, a lot of people involved in that show. Um, but, but, you know, how, it, so is it – it's a horror comedy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a horror comedy. Um, it's a uh, – yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a Bloomhouse production. I mean, yeah, it's a horror comedy. It's one of these things where if you did enjoy the, the, the Happy Death Day films and the Scout's Guide – you know, you're going to enjoy this one too. Okay. You know, it's not too, it's not heady at all. You know, do they really get in that much depth as to why they switched places? You know, they don't really delve into any kind of like mythos really about it other than there's just some ancient uh, sacred magical knife. That's kind of about it. They don't really get too far into it um the whole main premise is to you know is is about you know vince vaughn being this 16 17 year old girl um trying to get you know his her body back from the killer right okay i just realized while you were saying that about the mystical magical knife or whatever it's, uh-huh. it's they've already said it's in the same like universe as Happy Death Day, which yes, which actually which the which uh, Christopher Landon, um, uh, I guess in an interview he said that he he would definitely be interested in doing some sort of a crossover between Freaky and um, and Happy Death Day, since it is kind of in that same universe. I think that'll probably end up happening. Um, that would, I would be very happy with that. He even pitched the uh, uh, title for it, which no brainer. You know, it's free, Freaky Death Day. Is the tone of Freaky more like the first, the second, or is it kind of down the middle, or is it is it? 
Um, well, unlike well, unlike the Happy Death Days uh, that were rated PG thirteen, Freaky is an R rated film. Um, so it is more in line with the, with the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Uh, you know, when the gore is there, there's gore. You know, I'll put it this way: there is a particularly good kill involving a um, a table saw. No, nice. Always, a, always a, a good means by which to kill a teenager or anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Let me see. If I, see I mean, there's at least a nine, ten, you know, person body count. Okay. Some somewhere right around in there. You know, but yeah, it it it, it does a good job at blending the the humor with um yeah with the gore, which okay. for a film cool. like that. That's really all you can ask for. I, I uh, agree. I definitely want to see it. Uh, you, you've, I mean, I wanted to see it before, regardless of my hangups about the second death. Now, one thing I did find out in looking into this a little bit was the original title for it, mm-hmm. uh, which evidently they couldn't do for a number of reasons. But the original title was going to be Freaky Friday the 13th. That's awesome. Yeah. So for obvious reasons, they, they weren't allowed to do that, you know, which was fitting because the whole thing does happen to take place. You know, I think they even point out, you know, it starts on, you know, Wednesday, February uh, 10th or 11th, I guess. Yeah. And right. that kind of culminates on Friday the 13th. That's so cool. it wasn't just like they're trying to, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, remember that horror film Friday the 13th? Yeah, right, right. You know, so it did make sense uh, in in that sense, but um, yeah, but good film. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good popcorn movie. Um, I probably, you know, unless you're absolutely diehard to, and gung ho to see it, I, I wouldn't spend the ten, fifteen dollars, however much the VOD is. You know, wait for Netflix, something like that. Yeah, well, or, or it'll come down. I mean, the way they're the like the COVID ticket, basically what I what I've been calling the COVID ticket, where it's like, you know, on Prime you see it's like early look or something like that. They have all these movies that are in theaters wherever the fuck theaters are open, presumably in you know COVID denying areas of the United States. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, I know the price tag is often like nineteen bucks. Yeah, it, it's it's a twenty dollar price tag, and it's currently. Uh, Streaming on YouTube, Amazon Prime, and uh, Google Play. Okay. Um, yeah, Universal Picture. So, yeah, I mean, it'll probably end up going to, you know, either Amazon or Netflix. Exactly. Cool. Ray, what do you got? Uh, uh, well, you know what? Another thing that, because Shutter dropped it, I was like, you know what? I've always been curious about those. Let me go ahead and check them out. I watched uh, so far three of the Mario Baba movies. I watched uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sunday, and uh, The Body and the Whip. They're good. Um, they're a little bit dated. I mean, they're, they're all from like this uh, 60, well, at least the ones I watched so far, like from the 60s, 70s. Um, and uh, they are a little bit overly dramatic at points or, uh, you know, a little bit soap opery because almost like there's, there's in almost every one, there's like some kind of like 
guy who's just met girl or is engaged to girl, loves girl, wants to take her away from whatever's happening in the area. And you get these scenes where it's like, I love you and I'm going to keep loving you. So we need to go leave this cursed place, you know, that kind of thing. But they're, they're entertaining as far as like building blocks of horror films go. And, um, the imagery is great. Like, yeah. uh, in one, in the whip in the body and in, um, I think it's black. Yeah. Black Sunday. Those are both in color. Um, and not that, not to say that the other one, not to say that black Sabbath, which is in black and white looks bad. It doesn't, it looks good. It's just that once he moved from black and white to color, you got interesting color pops and choices and things like that. Yeah. And, really knows how to work with shadows and things like that. It has a real gothic feel to it. But um, the other one, I mean, Black, Black Sabbath is still good. It's black and white, but it's quality. Like, they're definitely, as I said, like building block, you know, formational horror films. So they're worth checking out. They're worth watching. And, you know, uh, definitely entertaining. You know, not, not, not boring or like, you know, you're going to feel like you're wasting time. They're definitely are things that are worth investing yourself in. Like if you like, like, uh, God, cause I went through a similar tear last month with what's his name. Um, totally blanking on his name. Vincent price. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Price stuff. You're going to like the Bob stuff. It's good. I mean, it's, you know, one's an actor, one's a director, but it's, it definitely is building block horror. It's definitely like, oh, now I know where they kind of got that kind of look from, where they got that kind of lighting palette or things like that. So they're definitely worth checking out. They're good films. You know, the, so the interesting thing is, I, man, I've seen – my, my boss is a huge Bava fan, so I was telling him the other day when I saw all those drops, and he was like, definitely watch – Kill Baby Kill for sure, and and um, Whip in the Body. The Whip in the Body is good. I, you know, the only thing that I didn't like about it, and this is just um, obviously, uh, I can't. As to borrow, I'm going to borrow the the term from uh, Tarantino and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They have that Babylon style of filming where, like, everyone was or was obviously talk or babble, tired babble. Everyone's talking in their own native language. Yeah, yeah. So that's, why they had to go back and dub it but it was the one thing that killed me it killed it for me in the whip in the body because christopher lee's in it and i kept when i saw him i expected it to be christopher lee's voice it's not coming out of this character and it's not That's and it killed me i was like oh damn how are you gonna not use christopher how did they not bring him in on post-production and go yeah, okay you just have to read over you have to dub your own lines because it just killed me you're just sitting there and you're like oh that's that christopher lee's voice um let's talk about the black tapes so tell me about i don't want to go spoilers i would love to do an episode where we just say at the beginning there's spoilers involved and we talk about it but uh-huh. tell me about your experience with the black tapes um yeah, so this one I, I discovered on Spotify, just kind of browsing around for different podcasts, and um, I knew absolutely nothing about it going into it, other than um, that it was just a serialized um, audio drama. Um, 
pretty much what sucked me in was uh, the title and the um, the cover image. Yeah. Um, kind of a little Red Riding Hood, a little bit, not exactly, but a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm just I'm pulling up the uh, the Wikipedia here so I can read off what the basic premise is. So wait, let me let me give you. Yeah. I, it is exactly. I th- I don't know if I heard somebody. I I heard somebody say this, and I don't know where I heard somebody say it, but mm-hmm. it's exactly the first thing that struck me about it. So it's cereal, not the food, but the podcast cereal, yeah. the cereal, and the X Files married. It's exactly yeah. what it is, and it's so like cereal. Like they really, and it's on purpose. Like people, I feel like might get turned off and be like, dude, this they're totally ripping us off. They're not. It's fiction. It's easy to forget that it's fiction. But yeah. even, like Lori Henry, who does Alex Regan, the main character, mm-hmm. she clearly studied serial. That wouldn't surprise me. And as did the creators, Terry Miles and Paul Bay. Like, and they use it to great, it's the format. Even the music, everything about it sounds like serial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah. so for people who haven't heard of it, I'll just run through what the basic um, plot is. So, so the overall thing, it starts as a uh, biography um, on a paranormal investigator, um, Dr. Richard Strand. Strand, Strand, thank you, thank you. Um, he is a skeptic, and his whole thing is that he is trying to debunk the supernatural um, to the point where he's offered uh, i want to say it's like a million dollar reward or something you know if somebody can prove to him that the supernatural is in fact real so um alex alex regan uh who is the the host slash the investigative journalist who is doing this biography on him she becomes uh interested in his collection of unsolved cases, uh, which they call uh, the black tapes. So overall, it, it, it turns into this very uh, X-Files type thing where each episode they are watching these, basically these, these black tapes or kind of his paranormal cold cases and trying to look at them from uh, from a new light, and then trying to dig a little bit more with her investigative journalistic background, um, and it very quickly turns into uh, they get kind of pulled into this world of occultism and uh, intrigue, and it's very well well written. It's very well acted. Um, yeah, and it, it's really interesting, too, because it, it really starts to delve into, you know, um, like math and music theory. Yeah. As well as, like, just, like, weird little, like, historical stories. <laughs> Pythagoras, like... Yeah. They really tie some... I've seen some criticism that they, they, they get a little bit too wide, but I thought up until... So it's three seasons. The first two seasons are 12 episodes. The third season is six episodes. 
And what I didn't realize, it started 2015, I think it ended in 2017, but in 2018, they updated the sixth episode of the third season, which is the final episode. They updated the description from saying final episode to season three, mid-season um, finale. Finale. In other yeah. words, there will be more, which is fucking good, because I will say, I think it's worth the journey, but I did not like the ending at all. I was like, I mean... Yeah, I, it was a very cliffhanger... It was even cl- I don't even think it was cliffhanger. I think it was just, uh, you know what it was? It was like, and I like the end of The Sopranos, but it was like, we don't have anywhere else to go with this unless, like, it, it, we've opened this Pandora's box. It's so huge. We would either have to keep going and really, like, I, I don't even know, or we can just kind of, like, bring it down to the head of a pin and just close it out. And it just doesn't, it doesn't well, work. I mean, ultimately what they're doing is they're pulling a, a Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples, and they're, you know, doing like Saga. We're like, okay, we're taking a hiatus. We're going to... But re-go. it wasn't originally a hiatus. Brian K. Vaughn... No, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. I know. They, with Saga, they said, we're going on hiatus. We don't know when we'll be back, but we will be. Uh, Black Tapes, I think... Mm-hmm. I think they've since rethought because of some of the harsh reaction that, like, maybe we should probably come back. I could be wrong about that, but that's the vibe I got from what I read. Well, also, too, I do remember hearing uh, last year, maybe, um, something about that there were talks about turning this into a television series. Which I think it would be great. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, that would be difficult in a, in a, in a couple of ways, you know, just because a lot of the show is them sitting around watching, listening to audio and watching these tapes and things like that. So they would definitely have to do some sort of a switch in order to, uh, to make it, you know, more for the visual spectrum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the stuff I think could be just as easy. Just It could be as simple as just, you know, instead of they're listening to this cassette, they're either experiencing it firsthand or they're watching it or something like that. I think it could be mm-hmm. done. And I, the characters are fucking great. Also, yeah. I mean, a, lot of, a lot of what pulled me in was the format and that you'd lose mm-hmm. that serial format Um if you made it visual, but I think, I think they could do something cool with it visually. I think it'd be different than the podcast, but it'd be cool. And like just some of the ideas in it are so cool. Oh yeah. Like, I I don't want to give a lot of spoilers, but like there's, you know, you, you see things once and then later you'll see, or you hear them, you know, you, you are introduced to something once and then later it'll come back around and have a different context. And there's like one where there's like this weird, tape with a like some kind of a ritual in this cave but they're like wait a minute look at it it's not a cave there's a video camera that's not a yeah. cave. and then like it goes further where they're like well we analyzed that video footage and it was 1080p and it's from 1993 so nobody in 1993 had 1080p video camera or like security cameras mm-hmm. except somebody that's like super super rich and super involved in security and then later it comes back around and when you find out where it was filmed it's like a real world place. And it's so, yeah. I was like, holy shit, you're tying this in? Like, whoa. It was, yeah. in. It, 
it really the two days ago I finished it and I listened to like the whole third season and maybe even part of the second season in one day. And by the time it was done, I was like a little buggy. I mean, it had just <laughs> really gotten, and it's, it's in such a nonfiction format. Like you have to keep reminding yeah. yourself, like, no, this is fiction, but they play oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. stuff. It's real. Like there's stuff they would talk about. And I'd look it up. I'd be like, Oh, Pythagoras student really did start an offshoot of his school. And yeah you know, possibly murdered him. Like they do a good job of blending fiction and reality. And it, I really appreciate it. I thought it was really, really, it was one of those where even though the ending drops the ball, everything else was so well written that I'm fine with it. And I recommend it to people. I'm like, you're, you know, you're going to be disappointed with the ending. And the funny thing is, even though it's serials like that too, even though that's not written, that's real life. So of course, when you get to the end of serial, you realize, well, they're not going to tell you whether he did it or not because nobody knows. And, mm -hmm. But when I was first listening to that back when it came out, I didn't even think of that. I was thinking this is like a cold case they solved or whatever. And then you find out, like, no, it's not. Um, yeah, yeah I, man, I was impressed. I know they have offshoots, Tannis and... Um, yeah, Tannis, uh, uh, I haven't checked out yet either. Um, but I want to say it has the character uh, Alex. It has yeah. her her buddy who's there at the Nick, uh, the producer. And she, they mentioned producer. during the course of the black tapes that he starts a show called Tannis. And then that she, she mentions at some point, like she lends her voice to it for, for narration or something. And there's like a scene where he's like, well, I, you know, I'm sorry. I was away editing the new episode of Tannis or whatever. So it's interesting yeah. where they're still holding that you're listening to a fiction podcast or that you're listening to a nonfiction podcast, but it's just kind of like one of the characters is making something fictional on the side. It's just, it's an interesting way to. to well, but, I, I, I but I think, I, I think the, uh, with Tannis is that it's a similar kind of thing that it is supposed to be nonfiction. Oh, okay. You know, so it's just a way for them to cross promote these two different uh, shows. Yeah, they did a good job. You know, think like um, like going back to X Files when they launched that uh, side series, the the Lone Gunman. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so black tapes would be X Files, Tannis would be Lone Gunman. Sometimes you'll see those guys pop up in X Files, yeah. but you know they're still off doing their own thing. It's neat to see that uh, a style of fiction at um, the the that started way back. I mean, Jonathan Swift did it in, um, with his writing where, you know, the, the, you were conveyed the, the ploy with the selling of, uh, what is the name of that one? Robinson Crusoe was that the author was writing the story as told to him by Robinson Crusoe years after he had been on the Island. And so the book was actually originally it's, it was fiction, but it was sold as, no, no, this is the true story of this guy telling it to Swift, who then wrote it. No, so it's just neat that 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 fictional style that like, no, no, this is a true story right. is still being done. And it's so cool that it's moved itself into this new form. Yeah. Um, well, let me see here. Ah, OK. Here's a couple that I could talk about. Uh I guess I'll, I'm going to honestly pair these together. Um, 
and that's because they're foreign language films and they're both on Shutter. One is German, one is French, um, and that is Angst and Among the Living. Um, Angst, oh, God. It's another deeply unpleasant film. It's it's like the German version of uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh man! It's a hard one to watch. It's it's unpleasant. It's it's so almost it's, in a documentary style. So like it almost Heinrich. feels. What, what Chris? I said so. It's Heinrich <laughs> Portrait <laughs> of a Serial Killer. Yeah, there you go. But um. It, it, it feels almost like a found footage movie, uh-huh. but it's not because it, it doesn't have a look of that. It's just that it almost feels like it because it does this thing where it opens with, um, it opens with this description of this, of the, of who's going to be your main character, the serial killer uh-huh. and, and a doctor who's talking off screen where you're looking at slides and he gives you this whole, the guy's whole background. And then the movie starts and the guy gets out of prison and right away he kills someone and steals their car. And then he goes into a restaurant and quickly eats a meal looking very odd and suspicious. And then leaves there, go, breaks into a house because he thinks it's abandoned. The people come home. He ends up killing all the people that live in the house in a fairly realistic hard to watch manner and the whole time he's doing this narrating off screen like uh, talking off screen where he's telling you about his life and how hard things have been and how um how much of a thrill he gets from killing or like why he's doing the things he's done and, and the terrible things that have happened to him in his life that has made him into this so it does this thing where you're like, wow, am I supposed to have sympathy for him? Like, I, ugh. like it's hard to watch. Um, very much in the same way that Henry Ports of Circular is hard to watch. It's just, imagine if Henry had a narration where Henry was telling you about all the abuses he went through by his mother and, like, other people growing up, and then about how much he was enjoying killing people. Like, that's what angst does. And it's, oh, it's hard to watch. Um it is, it's very much in that cinema of like, I don't know, if you like that cruel kind of like serial killer, like sympathy for the devil is what I would call it, cinema, then check it out. It's for you. Otherwise, not quite horror. Doesn't feel like it in the same way that Henry doesn't. Um, Among the Living, though, is great. It's French. Um I don't want to give a whole lot away. I'll give the basic setup. These three friends, uh, boys that are probably about 10, 12 years old, probably about 12 years old, um, all play hooky from the, um, uh, what is it called? When you have to go after school and stay there. Detention. Detention. Thank you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Detention. And um, are walking, first they're walking through the forest and then they find this, this place with these abandoned cars, which they figure out is a is an old bedded movie set, and um, they find a woman who's trapped in a car, and they and it, she's clearly like tied up and gagged, and they and they start arguing with each other, like maybe we should save her. How do we save her? Why do we know the guy's gonna come back? And then the they start to hear rumblings. They go hide, and they and the killer comes back out and. And they then are struggling with 
what do they do? Do they save her? Do they just run away? And, you know, it, it, it comes back on them. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. I thought it was pretty interesting. And, like, the killer was really fun. Um, but, yeah, it's totally worth a watch. It's totally I, worth seen, a watch. That one's on Shutter. I've seen, a, I've seen that parts of that one. I've never seen the whole movie multiple times on Shutter TV. Oh. And I've never really been able to get a feel for it. You know, it's by the people um, that did Inside, which I love. Oh. Um, it's uh, Julian Mori and Alexandra Bastillo. So I have meant to sit down and actually watch it start to finish. Each time I've seen bits and pieces of it, it always catches my attention. I'm always like, what, you know, um, interested in it. And also, it's named after, like, one of my favorite thrash records as well, the Anthrax. I mean, <laughs> it's not named after, but it shares a title. Or maybe it's named after. Um, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. It, it, um, I guess the thing that I would compare it to is Summer of 84, just because it has the young guys that are, like, yeah. caught up in something. Um, but, yeah, it's good. Like, there's a kill in there that, like, was hard for me to watch. I was like, oh, man. Like, I... I did something that I don't normally do, which was there's this moment where this person is getting killed and I screamed at the screen because <laughs> I got frustrated. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I totally, I, I, did, I couldn't believe I did it, but I was sitting there watching it and it just got to this thing where I, I was sitting there and there's what it is is that there's other characters that are not too far away, and I just went, "Oh God, will somebody fucking help him?" And it just it just killed me so much, and I just ended up screaming at my screen, and 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 I, and I did it out of nowhere, and it's like I was sitting there with my earphones on, watching it on my um, iPad because my niece and nephew were here studying. Yeah, for school, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just scream out, like, will somebody fucking help him? And they're all like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, horror movie. I got caught up. I'm so sorry, guys. That's funny. Well, okay, so then we'll call it on that. For the Horror Vision Podcast, I'm Sean. I'm Chris. And I'm Ray. Boom. Make coffee. Make, I'll drink more. Or maybe I don't need more. That's possible. Don't even brew it. Just give me the grounds and I'll just snort them. At this point, that's fine. <laughs>